If uh, the, the aliens like manufactured you to be uh, a nah. mixed martial arts fighter, they're like, let's see if we can just turn. This I'm sure. Into I would, a bad it, I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have been much better than than, than this. Much know? better than this. You're the fucking champion. What are yeah, you talking but about? if I would be alien manufacturer, I would be a <laughs> Superman. You know. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast. I welcome you to episode 31 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. This week, we will be recapping the UFC Lincoln card that happened a little less than two weeks ago, uh, headlined by Justin Gaethje versus Justin Vick. And we will also be doing an in-depth analysis of the betting lines and the matchups on this weekend's pay-per-view UFC 228 in Dallas, Texas. Texas headlined by the welterweight championship title fight between Tyron Woodley and Darren Till. So like I mentioned, we're going to be starting off with the UFC Lincoln card first. It, it happened a little less than two weeks ago, so we won't spend too much time uh, recapping it because it's a little bit of old news, but we haven't uh, recapped it yet on Martian MMA, so we gotta we gotta cover all the fights. So uh, we're starting off on the fight pass prelims. We had Hani Yaya defeat Luke Sanders with a beautiful heel hook. You know, Hani Sanders or Hani Yaya, excuse me, uh, just outclassed Luke Sanders on the ground in this one, and it was over quick with a beautiful heel hook submission. And my bet on Hani Yaya by submission at plus two hundred cash. So I uh, was uh, very excited for that one. Moving along, we had uh, Drew Dober defeat John Tuck by unanimous decision. Just an, uh, an overwhelming, dominating performance for Drew, Drew Dober. John Tuck, you know, gassed out like usual, didn't really have much to offer, and, uh, you know, got dominated. Uh, it'll probably be his last fight in the UFC. But uh, Dober picks up a nice win at lightweight. I believe I said on the podcast that fight was not at welterweight, but correction, it's at lightweight. Uh, next fight, we had Joanne Calderwood pull off a triangle armbar on Kalindra Faria. Man, what an Im- impressive win. Uh, I was on the other side of this one on the betting spectrum. You know, I was betting on uh, uh, Faria at, you know, plus 150 or something like that. A little bit on her submission line, too, because I thought that that's where uh, Faria would try to take this fight and win. But, uh... Lo and behold, uh, Joanne Calderwood slaps on a triangle, and uh, Faria did her best to fight out of it. But after about maybe twenty to thirty seconds in the ar- in the triangle, Joanne Calderwood grabbed a hold of her arm and uh, finished the triangle armbar with a beautiful submission. Man, props to Calderwood. That shit was very nice. Uh, next fight, we had Mickey Gall just dismantle George Sullivan in one minute and ten seconds via rear naked choke. You know, Mickey Gall not absorbing a single strike in this fight. The second UFC fight in his career where he hasn't absorbed a single strike. Um, you know, that one fight with uh, Mike Jackson, he might have only absorbed maybe one strike too. So, you know, he's fighting, it seems like, you know, Sullivan's not lower level competition like Mike Jackson and CM Punk were, but... Um, George Sullivan is definitely on the way out of his career. This will definitely be his last fight in the UFC. He just looked absolutely terrible. You know, Mickey Gall, submission specialist, rear naked chokes are where he gets most of his wins, and George Sullivan let him take his back right away. It was the most pathetic performance. Uh, seemed like maybe he was uh, just trying to get one last paycheck before his contract ran out, but I can't see him fighting for much longer. Next fight, we had Andrew Sanchez defeat Marcus Perez in a uh, close-fought decision. Expected it to be very close. Didn't uh, you know? It wasn't as close as I expected, though. You know, uh, Andrew Sanchez had had control of this fight for a uh, majority of the of the fight, uh, when, resulting in him winning two rounds. But uh, definitely not as exciting as I thought. Not as much back and forth, but still a, a competitive fight. Next fight, we had Corey Sandhagen defeat Yuri Alcantara, man. Fight of the night right here. Incredible, incredible fight, man. Yuri Alcantara has a fully stretched out armbar on Corey, Corey Sandhagen. And, you know, this dude somehow just didn't tap. It was one of the nastiest armbars I've ever seen. It reminded me of George St. Pierre versus um, Dan Hardy years and years ago. Man, it was his arm must have made out of, been made out of elastic, I tell you. So, um... Corey Sandhagen withstood that that uh, that onslaught and was able to come back and uh, start putting his own uh, 
barrage of punches on Yuri Alcantara, almost finishing him in the first round. A lot of people believe the fight should have been finished in the first round, and then Corey Sanhagen eventually finishing off with a TKO in the second. Uh, I believe even the referee was uh, who was uh, officiating this bout was pulled from the rest of the card because it was such a bad performance, and you know he let Alcantara take so much damage that they were worried about him uh, officiating any other fights. Next fight, we had James Krause defeat Warley Alvarez in a huge, huge upset. James Krause is almost a 4-1 to underdog coming in this fight, one of the biggest upsets of the year. And uh, Warley Alvarez was just looking very slow and sluggish out there. Krause was, was uh, in the fight from the jump. There was never a time when Alvarez looked like, you know, minus 500 in there. And Krause caught him with, you know, a little bit of a jumping knee and it, Really, really uh, looked like a realigned Alves' jaw. Just a nasty, nasty knee. And he finished up with some ground and pound to get the finish. So, huge upset. You know, James Krause was, like I said, 4-1. to one, And uh, he pulled this one off. So, um, you know, in- interest- interesting to see where uh, where Krause can go from here. Because, you know, he just beat a surging, you know, a surging uh, Brazilian welterweight, and you know a lot of people thought he could have been could have been maybe on the outside of his career, but he proved people way wrong. Uh, looking really good since he's come back to the UFC since his uh, Ultimate Fighter. Moving on to the main car, we had Eric Anders defeat Tim Williams by head kick knockout in the th- uh, in the third round. Eric Anders was you know winning this fight pretty decisively. It was it wasn't a total beatdown, but Anders was in control. And in, he ended up securing that uh, that nasty, nasty head kick right when Tim Williams was getting off of his uh, off of his butt. Right when he stood up, he uh, Anders threw the head kick and just knocked him out cold. Just a nasty, nasty uh, head kick there. Next fight, we had Devison Figueredo defeat John Moraga by TKO in in the second round. Man, Figueredo uh, is looking like the real deal in there. Man, there is a he is an undefeated uh, flyweight. You know, with a lot of hype behind him coming into this fight. But Moraga was a, you know certainly a tough test, and the odds were pretty close to this one. But man, Figueredo looked like much more than a, you know minus one fifty, which is uh, probably where he closed round in there and ended up getting the TKO on Moraga. So uh, man, Figueredo is going to be surging to the, the top five, I believe, of the, the flyweight division in the UFC, especially with the, the, the recent shakeup we had at uh, the top of the division with the champion. Next fight, we had Bar- Brian Barberina just uh, dismantle Jake Allenberger, first round, TKO. You know, this, this uh, Barberina was minus 500, I believe, something around there, uh, ju- justifiably so. He was one of the bigger favorites of the night who looked uh, deservingly. You know, I think Eric Anders was minus 1,000. I, I don't think that... I don't think that uh, that was very deserving of how he looked in there, but man, Barbarina definitely looked a uh, five to one favorite in there. Um, Ellenberger, man, is just so so shot. Dude's like lost like a two of his or won two of his last eleven fights, I think. So he's just totally totally done. Next fight, we uh, next two fights, we had two controversial split decisions. Courtney Casey defeating Angela Hill by split decision. Man. I'm, Angela Hill uh, outstruck the fuck out of Courtney Casey in this fight, man. Let me uh, let me pull up the, the statistics on this fight because it's it's a damn shame that they scored this fight in a Courtney Casey. One judge even scored this fight three rounds to zero for Courtney Casey, which is just remarkable. Um, you know, there's there's just no excuse for for that. Uh, I mean, it it wasn't it wasn't close. Um, to three to zero you know no i mean you could have maybe made an argument for two rounds to one for um courtney casey but overall i mean the angela hill was just you know the the strike numbers seem pretty similar actually uh 121 for hill 111 for courtney casey so that doesn't seem to you know uh out outnumbered but i mean that doesn't that doesn't tell the whole story i mean this fight was this fight was controlled on the feet uh casey was looking for takedowns while hill was stuffing them and keeping it away keeping uh casey away with her her strikes and uh man i don't know real 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 bummer courtney casey uh won this one i actually live bet angela hill after the second round thinking that she was up two rounds to none honestly i thought angela hill could have won this fight three rounds to zero um, but man, it's a damn shame. Let's check out what the public is is, is scoring this one. MMA Decisions dot com. 
one of our favorite resources uh, on on the podcast here. We have, uh, let's see, it'll give you uh, all types of analytics from all types of, you know, uh, the judges, the media, and the fans scoring the fight. So 68 or 69% of fans scored the fight for Angela Hill. Um, yeah, 27% of people gave it 3-0 for Hill. Man, that's insane. Uh, so, man, these, these judges just continue, continue to... Um, be very inconsistent as as shown in the next fight like i mentioned michael johnson defeating andre feely uh michael johnson won this fight um uh two on two judges scorecards he won two of the rounds see now if we were talk we were talking about this uh mma decisions.com it's going to come right back into play on this one there was a round in this fight. It was uh, andre feely took michael johnson down and had him in a rear naked choke and uh, it, it it was almost cinched in, man. Like it, it, you know, we've seen Michael Johnson lose to Rear Naked Takes before, so, so it was a super dangerous position for all the novice fans. And you know, Andre Feely was uh, was threatening for, uh, from that position uh, for for a good majority of the round. It was a total total clear Andre Feely round. And two judges, Sal Diamanto and Glenn Trowbridge, two judges who are probably licensed in almost every state in America. Uh, every, you know, all different types of international commissions. They judge martial arts fights for a living. They fly around the world judging all different types of fights. It's And they, they still can't realize that when you take someone down, when you take their back, when you almost have a submission, when you're almost close to, to finishing the fight, you somehow score the round for the other guy. I don't understand. It's it's totally, totally unjustifiable. Andre Feely got screwed out of this decision. I thought it was clear that Andre Philly won the second and third rounds, but uh, like I said, that that Trowbridge and uh, Diamato scoring those those rounds somehow for uh, Michael Johnson, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, unfortunately lost Johnson this fight. Uh, you know, some people, uh, some the round three was round round two was the the, the most definitive round of all. Eighty three percent of people scored that that round for Andre Philly. The first round uh, was a clear round for Michael Johnson, 74% for Michael Johnson, and then the third round was very close. So, you know, like I said, I gave the third round to my, uh, Andre Feely, but uh, you know, it seems like a lot of people won't give that one to Johnson. So maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't a, a highway robbery, but a, certainly a controversial decision because uh, of that, you know, that, it, you know, all three judges gave Andre Feely the third round, surprisingly, even though 51% of people agreed that uh, Feely, or the Johnson won the round. So... Very, very interesting statistics. Uh, you know, that's why I love looking at MMADecisions.com because you can really get a grasp for how all people from different spectrums of the sport, like I said, the judges, the media, the fans, you know, all these people are scoring the fight, and you can see it side by side. So a great website. Really recommend it. And in the main event, we had Justin Gaethje defeat James Vick via knockout uh, less than 90 seconds into this fight. Man, uh, uh Justin Gaethje's past couple fights have been total wars, you know, going into the third round. Uh, I think Michael Johnson fight ended in the second round, but it was still like a nine or ten minute fight. And uh, we've seen him go to the fourth round with Poirier, third round with Alvarez. And, man, this one was over quick. Uh, James Vick just couldn't couldn't stand Justin's punches, didn't really have the head movement, didn't really have the game plan ready for to fight uh, Gaethje, and Gaethje made him pay for it. So, um Profited a little bit on Gaethje's money line, Gaethje's knockout. Uh, lost on, uh, you know, let's see, Angela Hill. Um, let's see. Let's see. That lost on uh, Faria and, you know, broke even on this card betting-wise. So it was a great card. A lot of finishes. Three submissions, six knockouts, only four decisions. So great card. Uh, great night of fights from Lincoln, Nebraska, and that will propel us onto this week's, this weekend's pay-per-view, UFC 228 going down September 8th, that is two days from now, today is Thursday, which the day the episode will be uploaded, and uh, been you know, th- these odds have been out for a long time, I think the money lines have been out for almost three weeks, and even the props have been out for, I want to say, over 10 days, so much, much more time than we're used to getting t- for analyzing these props, same with the last card, there was a huge uh, break in between the UFC cards, so we got odds a lot earlier, so we're getting a lot more time to analyze these fights and to see the lines change, which is uh, very interesting, and uh, not, not so common over the past maybe 20, 30 weeks, there have been 
you know, cards back to back to back to back to where we get, sometimes we don't get props, you know, two or three days before a pay-per-view or don't get over-unders a day or two before, you know. So uh, it's been 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 a little rough on, on the betting scene for the, you know, past couple months with uh, getting lines. But these past two cards, they've uh, they've uh, stepped up their game a little bit, the odds makers. And, uh, you know, it, it, it basically goes to show that it's just a, a, an amount of work that they can't handle. It's probably just one guy... Um, you know, Nick Kalikas is not the main odds maker anymore. Who the hell knows who's making them now? Uh, it, it, like I said, it could be one guy, and uh, you know, 10, 12, 15 different sports books on, online are waiting for this one guy to cap these fights. And once he releases the lines, all 12, 15 books copy that one line. So, um, you know, it seems like that that the one, maybe two guys who are making these lines just can't keep up with the UFC and you know all the other MMA that goes on in the world when it's happening back to back to back weeks but when they have a few weeks in between they can get these lines out way before so enough said about that and that we will start talking about these matchups and uh, starting it off on the ufc fight pass prelims we have 14 fights on this card ladies and gentlemen um we will try to breeze through these uh these um trying to not to make the episode too long don't want to go more than around 75 or 90 minutes so we will start things off in the welterweight division we have Jeff Neal, who is nine and two, taking on Frank Camacho, who is twenty-one and six. Jeff Neal opened up at minus two thirty, and Frank Camacho opened up at plus one seventy. The lines have haven't moved too much, but uh, it seems like money has come in on Frank Camacho a little bit, shrinking him down to plus one sixty-five, and Jeff Neal is down to minus one ninety. So, uh, not too much action coming in on this fight. Although uh, I, I believe that there is a little bit of value on Frank Camacho. Uh, Jeff Neal is still a very very unproven um, fighter in my opinion. He uh, he's coming off of a TKO win off of Chase Walden on the Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, and a submission of Brian Camozzi back in February of this year. Brian Camozzi, not the highest level opponent, as we've seen, just a super unathletic, untalented fighter who does not deserve to be in the UFC uh, whatsoever. So that mean that win doesn't really mean much, although he did you know look. Uh, impressive in that fight uh it's just hard to get a read on this guy when he hasn't had that much experience you know uh he actually has uh he has fought uh ufc fighter kevin holland in the regional scene they fought in a square cage um you know uh, in early 2017 i i watched that fight while taping these fights earlier and that you know that was that was a pretty fun fight to watch so um you know and that's why you know Camacho has struggled a bit lately you know he's one and two in the UFC losing to Lee Jingling by decision beating Damian Brown by decision and then dropping that last fight to Drew Dober by decision um it seems like you know cardio is a little bit of his problem he tends to gas later in his fights gets a little sloppy but the dude has a good chin he has you know decent power uh good experience good composure even when he's super tired he's still you know able to uh not get hit with too many shots still have a little bit of head movement behind him i actually rewatched that fight with drew dober this week as well and uh mistakenly i had drew uh i had frank camacho winning that fight uh, the first time i watched it on and on the podcast uh last week i said drew dober uh lost that fight but uh correction on that camacho really uh lost that one dober uh deserved to win that one two rounds to one so uh, you know, plus one sixty five for a proven, composed guy like Camacho versus you know an unproven guy like Neil. I don't know. I, li- I like the stab on it. Um, you know, it's tough to go on the money line because I think Camacho does get tired early, and you know, if he wins this fight, it probably will be by stoppage in the first or second round. But um, you know, I-, I like his plus three and a half points line, which is the line I ended up betting on at minus one twenty. Uh, you know, it, I think that even if he loses this fight, he will not get knocked out or submitted by um, Jeff Neal. It, he'll probably lose by decision. And even if he loses by decision, I think that he will squeak away one round on uh, all the judges' scorecards, So, which would make the 3.5 bet cash. So uh, that's my play for this one. And I think that there's still value on uh, Frank Camacho at plus 165. Next fight, we have Jared Brooks, who is 13-2, taking on Roberto Sanchez, who is 8-1. Jared Brooks coming into this fight on extremely short notice, six days notice. The, the betting line just came out for this one. It opened up at minus 245 for Jared Brooks. The, the, the gentleman who is filling in on short notice is minus 245. 
and taking on Roberto Sanchez plus 170. Man, like this this was a shocking shocking line. I mean, I know Brooks is a good wrestler, but and uh, and I know Sanchez is, you know, sort of unproven and not not necessarily the highest level uh competitor, but Man, this five or six day short notice, Jared Jared Brooks coming in here. It hit. I cannot believe the odds in this one. I cannot believe the openers. I can't believe even more what the odds are now. Jared Brooks is sitting at minus four ten right now. To Roberto Sanchez at plus three thirty. Holy shit! This dude knocked himself out. He was winning a fight. He was winning a fight against. Um, Jose Shorty Torres back in on June 1st of 2018 not even a little less a little over three months ago winning the fight goes for a takedown and knocks himself out uh you know he he just like totally knocks him out knocks him out cold that was three months ago you know that I can't believe that people are trusting a guy who just knocked himself out uh to, to win this fight especially at four to one on five days notice against you know jared brooks is a great wrestler great pressure wrestler you know good ground and pound roberto sanchez isn't too bad of a jiu-jitsu artist you know most of his has wins have come uh come by sub he's only one and one in the ufc losing to joseph morales by sub and beating joby sanchez by uh, submission back in february so you know like i said he's a little bit unproven not the highest level skills but man th th I can't believe that Jared Brooks is four to one favorite coming into this fight on short on five days short notice. Um, Roberto Sanchez was supposed to take on Ryan Benoit, and Ryan Benoit was injured earlier later this week, unfortunately, uh, and uh, not disclosed why, unfortunately. And uh, but luckily Brooks came in and saved that fight. So uh, man, I don't, I don't, I haven't made a play yet on Roberto Sanchez at plus three thirty. But man, the value is there. I can tell you that. Would not knock a play on him at all. Next fight we have in the women's bantamweight division: uh, Irene Aldana, who is eight and four, taking on Lucy Pudilova, who is eight and two. Uh, Irene Aldana opened up at minus one ten. Pudilova at minus one thirty. Uh, Irene Aldana is currently minus 125, Pudilova plus 105. So Pudilova opened at, uh, as the bigger favorite in this one, and uh, she has since gone up to an underdog. So money coming in on Aldana, uh, I think justifiably so. I think, you know, we have two women here who uh, have, you know, decent jiu-jitsu games, decent ground games, uh, you know, not much more than that. I don't, th I think they're kind of opportunistic fighters in, in, in a sense where they're both decent athletes and they both were, you know, started off doing something similar. They did Taekwondo when they were a kid and all of a sudden someone suggests, hey, you can do MMA for a career and they get into it. Just like Daniel Taylor did. Daniel Taylor was doing like self-defense classes five years ago and now she's fighting in the UFC. Shows you uh, how high level the competition is sometimes with the UFC. Yeah, unfortunately, these women just aren't aren't uh, at the highest level of skill. Uh, Aldana losing uh, f fights to Leslie Smith by decision, Caitlin Chukigan by decision. Uh, although she uh, came back from that little bit of a rut and beat Talita Bernardo in her last fight by decision in January of this year, one and two in the UFC. Lucy Pudilova coming off a little bit better of a start, uh, starting off losing to Lena Landsberg in her UFC debut. Then squeaking away a decision against uh, Ji Yun Kim and also beating Sarah Marias by decision in February of this year. So um, I don't have I don't have any much plays on this one. Uh, just a slight lean on Aldana and uh, not too much analysis going into this one though because I don't think there's too much to be done. It'll probably be a, a close decision and um, can't really pick a clear uh, clear front runner in this one. Next fight we have Jim Miller who is 28 and 12 taking on Alex White who is 12 and 4. Jim Miller opened up on this one at minus 130 the favorite to Alex White at minus 110. Man, don't know who opened up Jim Miller as a favorite in 2018. Uh, man, Jim Miller is he's a fucking legend, man. He uh, his UFC record is 18 and 11. He's been in this shit for decades. But man, struggling, struggling, struggling as of lately. Losing a decision to Dustin Poirier, losing a decision to Anthony Pettis, losing a decision to Francisco Trinaldo, and eventually getting knocked out by Dan Hooker. Uh, not too long ago, uh, man. Uh, I did not write down the date of that fight, but uh, I can I can find it out right now. Seemed seemed pretty recently, uh, you know, not like within the past uh, couple months. April, yeah. So, um, you know, four or five months removed from that knockout, uh, man. 
interesting to see uh, Jim Miller taking this fight, considering that we've he we've heard Jim Miller say that he's uh, you know sort of on the outs, you know, looking for maybe that last win to retire in the octagon. So uh, the odds currently stand at Jim Miller plus one thirty five, Alex White minus one fifty five. Um, yeah, I totally agree with where the direct the, where the betting line has gone. Um, Jim Miller shot out to an underdog, and uh, Alex White sinking to more of a favorite. I'm actually on uh, Alex White as a minus one fifty favorite. Usually, do not bet that on any favorites more than you know minus one twenty, minus one thirty. But man, uh, I really think that. Um this is a good matchup for Alex White. I think that Jim Miller is total fade worthy. You know, he's lost four fights in a row. He got knocked out a couple months ago. He's really coming back too soon from this one. And Alex Alex White is, you know, a young, uh, young good. He's a good puncher. You know, not the not the best record three and four in the UFC. Uh, most recent fights losing to Tony Martin by decision, defeating Mitch Clark by TKO, and losing to James Krause uh, by decision uh, in January of this year. So. Not the highest level uh, op opponent, you know, but I think that he's still going to be good enough to get the job done against uh, Jim Miller this weekend. Um, next fight, we have Diego Sanchez, who is 27 and 11, taking on Craig White, who is, oh, I forgot to write his record down, that's, that's a damn shame, check who is 14 and 8 <laughs> 14 and 8 um so uh let's see here we have Diego Sanchez opened up at plus 175 uh and Craig White opened at minus 245 man strange times Craig White 0 and 1 in the UFC opening up at minus 245 that's a little steep man uh it's a little steep and the betting line has you know uh, has adjusted a tiny bit since then, but still not much. Craig White is minus 230 as opposed to minus 245 now, and Sanchez is at minus 195, uh, 190. So interesting, interesting movement on this one. It seems like White is a little less of a favorite than he opened, and Diego is a little more of a, a an underdog. I don't know really how that works. Uh, who's putting money where on this one? I mean, I think a little bit of people are putting money on Diego. Uh, you know, based on value, based on Craig White being a, an unproven guy, based on him, you know, he's he had a very established cage records uh, record. He was four zero in cage warriors. Was brought over to fight Neil Magny on short notice in uh, m on May twenty seventh uh, of this year and got TKO'd in that one. Man, the, uh, four three four months removed from that, it was not that not that uh, you know, it was a pretty pretty bad knockout. Honestly, uh, he took a pretty stiff knee. Took some ground and pound after that. It wasn't the worst. You know, he didn't go out cold, but, man, he took some hard shots in that one. So, interesting to see him coming back so soon to this one. But, obviously, he's fighting Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez hasn't finished any, anybody in over a decade. So, he's not like he's risking, you know, getting knocked out again or anything. Man, I just can't see any way that Diego Sanchez can, can win a fight against any able-bodied UFC fighter at this point. I mean, he is just so, so shot. His last win against Martian Held by decision. Uh, when, when was that? It, it had to be in a decent amount of time ago. Because, man, and I believe that fight was, was a very close decision that a lot of people agreed with went the wrong way so uh you know he, he Diego Sanchez is just he he's struggling man he got knocked out by Ally Quinta really bad got knocked out cold by Dame Matt Brown uh in November last year dude's a warrior man 17 and 11 UFC record but man is it time for Diego Sanchez to stop fighting he he uh, he needs to. It's it's sad seeing him go out there. It's sad seeing the delusion in his mind, thinking that he's gonna win and everything. Hey man, I would be happy as fuck to see him win. And uh, I don't care about Craig Wed at all. Don't have any money on him. Don't have any money on this fight at all. But uh, man, I really just can't see Diego Sanchez uh, going out there and winning this one. Next fight, moving on to the prelims on FX, we have Charles Bird, who is. 10 and 4 taking on Darren Stewart who is 8 and 3. Darren Stewart opened up at this one at plus 145 to Charles Bird at minus 185. Since then Charles Bird has been bet down to even more of a favorite at minus 225 and Darren Stewart going up to plus 185. Um, I think this is a this is a an interesting fight. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be a little bit of a, a slugfest, I think. I can't see this fight ending uh, ending too soon. And I say a slugfest. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I mean. I mean a quick a quick brawl. I think Charles Bird's going to take Darren Stewart down. And I think he's going to tap him out. Uh, Charles Bird is very very good on the ground. Uh, he he took down and submitted. Uh, 
Randall Wallace on the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series and also took down and ground and pounded Jamie Pickett for a TKO on the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. And making his UFC debut uh, a few months ago in London, I believe, he defeated John Phillips uh, by submission. Again, he just blasted for a double leg. He was fighting a, a puncher, uh, you know, a pretty heavy puncher, which I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying Darren Stewart is because he's not really of anything except for a brawler. Um, so he just shot for a takedown, took John Phillips down, controlled him on the ground, broke him down with ground and pound, and tapped him out. But made it look easy. And I think that that's what he's going to do again. It, 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 Charles Bird is in this one. I actually made a play on Charles Bird by submission at plus 140. And since then, that line has gone down to plus 100. So it seems like I got in at the right time. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, that, that, that bet has a good chance of cashing. You know, Darren Stewart has lost two of his fights by submission, uh, lost a fight to Francisco Mar Barroso by decision, Carl Robertson by submission, and Julian Marquez by submission in a crazy, crazy brawl. Uh, he's won three and one in the UFC. His uh, last fight in the UFC, though, he picked up a win against Eric Spicely by TKO in a crazy, crazy brawl. So the dude's got he's got you know some comeback in him. If this one, if if Spurd is not able to submit uh, Stewart and and uh, Stewart's able to take him into the second round, man, I think that I think Stewart has uh, Darren Stewart has a good chance at winning. But I uh, don't think this one is going to go to the cards. Uh, I think the under one point five is a pretty safe bet on this one. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely cheering for Bird to get the sub. Um, next fight, we have G in the bantamweight division, we have Jimmy Rivera, who is 21-2, taking on John Dodson, who is 20-9. Jimmy Rivera opened up at minus 195 in this one. Damn. John Dodson, plus 155. I think that's the best opening odd out of any out of any of the ones I'm looking at right now. Plus 155 for John Dodson. Hey, not the biggest John Dodson fan. Uh, I don't think he's, I think he's, you know, he's lost his power since he dropped down to, uh, or since he moved up, excuse me, to bantamweight. He was a vicious puncher at flyweight, knocking dudes un un uh, unconscious, including the bantamweight champion. Of course, TJ Dillashaw, but Ever since moving up, he's turned into a different fighter. He does not a, uh, like I said, that murderous puncher anymore. He's a point fighter. He's a, he's a fight on the outside type guy. He's a, you know a kickboxer. It's it's sad. Uh, you know he seems like a total different fighter. Honestly, he uh, past couple fights he beat uh, Eddie Wineland by decision, uh, lost to Marlon Marias in a close decision, and then defeated Pedro Munoz in a close decision. He is nine and four overall in the UFC. His opponent Jimmy Rivera. Uh, he's a you know much more accomplished fighter. I would say he's uh was going on a was going on a uh actually I wouldn't say more accomplished. I don't know. It's it's pretty tough to tell. These guys are pretty evenly matched. Rivera. I don't think Rivera has fought as stiff competition, but he obviously has an incredible record. Twenty one and two was riding a huge win streak before he was knocked out by Marlon Marias in Ju on June first of this year. Again, man, we're uh June first was a hundred days ago or something like that. Man, he's he's coming back from a knockout a hundred days removed and think about it man it, so he got knocked out 100 days ago he started his training camp 50 days ago that means the first time he's sparring doing his first hard sparring for this camp he he probably got knocked out two months ago it's, it's way too soon to be fighting i think there's there should be some mandatory protocol for uh guys coming uh, coming off of knockouts fighting again but uh you know that's me that's not it's not the best thing to rely on because uh you know, Marlon Marais hits a lot harder than Dodson. I don't think that Dodson is, like I said, is going to have that power to stun Rivera. But uh, I think that this fight uh, is, is destined to be a close fight on the scorecards. You know, most of these guy, uh, most of these two gentlemen's fights go to the cards, and uh, they're they're rather close. You know. Dodson is the the king of split decisions. Rivera usually wins his fight a little more decisively, and uh, that plus one fifty five line has come down a little bit. Um, still not much though. Uh, it, it was it was down a lot earlier, a lot lower earlier in the week. I want to say John Dodson was around plus one ten. Uh, that's as low as he got. But uh, right now he is currently sitting at. 
plus 135, and Jimmy Rivera is at minus 155. So it seems like some people are, uh, you know, uh, betting on Dodson in this one. But I don't think Dodson will pull this one off. I don't think he'll win this decision, but I think it'll be close. Uh, I was thinking about making a play on his plus 3.5 points line. So if he lost a decision 29-28 on all three cards, then I would still win. But that line is juiced to the tits at, I don't know, my, minus 200 or something. So I'm not going to be making a play on that one. So um, next fight we have... In the bantamweight division again, Aljamain Sterling, who is fifteen and three, taking on Cody Stammen, who is seventeen and one. Aljamain Sterling opened up in this one at minus one forty-five. Cody Stammen at plus one hundred five. And if we look over to best fight odds right now, we have Aljamain Sterling sitting at. Can't find. I can't, can't find these lines. Man, I'm blind. It's right in front of my face. Algernon Sterling is sitting at minus 145. Cody Stammen is at plus 125. So, uh, Sterling line is still sitting at one minus 145, but Stammen has gone up a little bit more of an underdog. Um, you know, it's interesting, interesting fight in this one. I think that uh, going back to their past couple of fights, uh, Stammen's been on a roll. He's you know he's got a very good record, 17 and one. He's three and zero in the UFC, defeating uh, Terion Ware by decision, Tom Dukensoy by decision, and Brian Carraway by decision. So like I said, he's uh, on a little bit of a roll, looking good. You know, not unstoppable, but still looking good. And uh, Aljamain Sterling is uh, you know won a decision against Henan Burrell, uh lost by knockout to Marlon Marias, and came back and won a decision against Brett Johns pretty recently. So and he looked pretty good in that fight, man. Um, you know, this fight is, uh, I think I think there's a pretty clear way that this fight's going to go. I mean, Sterling, or Stammen, I believe, tries to counterpunch. Um, you know, and that, that fight with... Uh that fight with Dukensoy, with Ware, and with Caraway, he was looking to counterpunch all those guys. Those guys are pretty aggressive boxers. A lot of them, uh, all three of those guys, like using their hands. Ware is uh, coming from a boxing background. Caraway really doesn't have much of an approach at all. He kind of just throws hands to get to a takedown. And Dukensoy, another boxing heavy guy. So, um, I, I, you know, he was relying on counterpunching a lot to win the striking exchanges in that fight, but. Aljamain Sterling doesn't really get in punching range too much, man. He likes to kick. He likes to use teeps and side kicks and leg kicks to keep you away, keep you at distance, keep the fight at his range where he's comfortable. And he's very good at it. He, uh, you know, as much as uh, he's not the most thrilling fighter to watch, but, I mean, I, I like the guy. Very consistent fighter. Uh, as opposed to, you know, he, you know, he had that, that flash knockout from Marlon Marais. That was, you know, pretty uncommon for him. But, man, I, I think that was just a bit of a step up, a two- too big of a step up in competition, uh, you know, going from an old, uh, an old declining brow to a, a young surging Marlon Marais is a huge, huge step, and he uh, he paid the consequence in that one. But uh, I think Sterling is going to win a decision in this one pretty, pretty uh, d decisively. I can see it, you know, probably being 30-27. Maybe Stamina will win one round if he's able to uh, close the distance and uh, take Sterling down. The only way that I can see Cody Stamina winning this fight is if he trained the hell out of catching kicks off of, you know, kick defense. Right when Aljamain Sterling goes to throw that kick, he's, you know, shooting for his takedown and shooting for his single leg. Uh, blasting doubles using all types of that or you know catching those kicks and you know trying to use some sort of dump or takedown to get sterling on the ground from there but he's really really going to have to capitalize on countering those kicks because he's not going to have that opportunity to counter punches like he usually does so uh Alderman sterling will be the pick in this one uh to get it done by decision uh next fight we have carla esparza who is 13 and 5 taking on Tatiana Suarez who is 6 and 0. Carla Esparza opened up at this one at plus 250 to Tatiana Suarez at minus 350. Have some pretty surprisingly good performances lately. Uh, you know, she was, uh, you know, struggling big time. She, uh, 
Um, she, uh, well, she, she won her fight against Mar uh, Mar Mary Mraz, uh, obviously not the highest level uh, competition. Then she fought uh, another young up-and-coming grappler, Cynthia Calvillo, and she beat her in that fight by decision. You know, very similar, I think, to Suarez. I think Suarez is a little bit better and even, you know, even better than Calvillo was. But, man, we've seen Esparza play that role of spoiler more recently. Let's see what Carla Esparza was and odds in this f at that fight. She was plus 150 in that fight, yeah. So she put up a good fight in that one. Also, more recently, in June, June 9th of this year, UC 225, Carla Esparza took on Claudia Gedalia. She was uh, a 3-to-1 Three to one underdog in that fight, and she she made it very competitive. It, I don't think it was split. It might have been split decision, but I uh, mean, uh, Carlos Barza hit uh, Claudio with a punch that rocked her. Man, uh, you never would have expected to see that, um, you know. And and that that moment alone has made me uh, make a little stab of uh, on Carla Esparza by TKO at plus twenty uh, twenty five to one or something like that. You know, hey man, she she rocked Claudia Gadelio with a punch it's not really impossible that she rocks tatiana suarez with that punch uh too so uh that'll be that'll be uh you know obviously very very unlikely what i think is going to happen though is uh, suarez will most likely outclass esparza i think the suarez is just the real deal and no matter even though esparza's got some good wrestling she's got a good grappling pedigree she's been able to you know take down and uh be competitive with you know cavio and other other girls like nami Yunus and everything i i think the suarez is going to be too much for her in this one however i would not would not trust her at, you know five to one uh tatiana suarez i think there might even be a little bit of value on uh carla esparza at, at um plus 415 uh maybe even let's see what her points handicap line is at right now and uh that'll be even uh, i think that'll be you know a, a, i don't know if it's at plus money uh esparza yeah plus 175 man who knows i don't know I, I i i wouldn't touch that line because i feel like we're in for we're in for an outclassing i feel like we're gonna see how how many levels tacking on suarez is above uh, esparza on the ground and i think that suarez has a good chance of finishing so i, I wouldn't go on the plus 3.5 because uh, like i said i think suarez might even finish this one Moving on to the main card in the welterweight division, we have Nico Price, who is 12 and 1, taking on Abdul Razak Hassan, who is 9 and 1. Uh, Nico Price opened up in this one at plus 145, and um, uh, Abdul Razak Hassan opened at minus 185. And uh, the lines have come, uh, have shrunk up a little bit, uh, tightened up a little. And then uh, uh, Hassan went from minus 185 to minus 135, and Price went from minus 145 to plus 115. So money coming in on Price. People think that plus 145 is a little too high. Um, you know, it's uh, this one's interesting, man. I think Hassan will get this one done. Uh, I think Hassan has shown, you know, crazy, crazy power in his, some of his uh, his most recent fights. He lost a decision to Omari Akhmedov and then defeated Sabah Homsai by TKO uh, in back-to-back -back fights. Um, you know, I don't really know the conditions of why they rematched one another. I think there was, like, an illegal strike or something like that that happened, which they rematched that fight for. Who knows? But, man... Uh, Al Hassan had a vicious highlight reel knockout against uh, Homsai earlier this year. He is three and one in the UFC. And uh, Nico Price is coming off of a sub loss to Vicente Luque, uh, very a surging welterweight with a lot of skills. A submission win over George Sullivan, not the highest level competitor, uh, and Randy Brown uh, uh, having a t come from behind TKO from that vicious uh, bottom ground and pound, which we talked about in the podcast, uh, being one of the, the most creative knockouts I've ever seen. But, uh, man, I think, I don't know, I, I think Al-Hassan should be a uh, closer to where he opened up at minus 185. Surprising to see so many people are trusting Nico Price in this one. Um, you know, Nico Price is no slouch, and I don't think, I, I don't think that, you know, he's totally out of this fight, but... Uh, I, you know, I'm not going to trust uh, uh, Al Hassan's money line because I think both these guys are getting tired. I think it's the matter of, you know, who connects first. I think someone's going to go down in this one via knockout. Don't think it'll last very long. One, maybe two rounds, and the under is, uh, you know, a pretty good bet in this one. But uh, my pick is going to be Al Hassan to get this one done. In the next fight in the women's strawweight division, we have Jessica Andrade, who is 18 and 6, taking on Karolina Kovalkiewicz, who is 12 and 2. Jessica Andrade opened up in this fight at minus 280. Karolina Kovalkiewicz opening up at plus 240. 
Uh, Andrade sinking down to minus 420 and Kovacavich going all the way up to plus 335. So people are just nuking uh, Jessica Andrade's line. You know, it's pretty pretty deserving, obviously. I, I think that... Um, you know, she opened up around more like three to one. She's now more four to one. I think I think Andrade is is deserving of four to one. Uh, the chick's just a beast, man. How could you not love this uh, love this girl? She she fucking brings it every time. Uh, she lost that fight to Joanna uh, back in May of two thousand and seventeen. Beat Claudia Gadelia in September of last year, and then defeated Tisha Torres earlier this year in February. She's nine and four in the UFC. One of the most active females on the roster. I would actually probably guess she's the most active. I don't. I don't. How many girls have thirteen fights in the UFC? Not many. Um, you know, Kovalkiewicz is pretty active herself, five and two, uh, losing uh, to Claudia Gedalia in June of last year uh, by submission. Didn't look too good in that fight. That fight will come into play later when we talk about it. She uh, Jody uh, defeated Jody Esquibile by decision and Felice Herrick by decision in earlier this year in April. Um, you know, Kovalkiewicz has great striking. She's got good Muay Thai, good clinch, good knees. Um, good elbows, um, but unfortunately her ground game is just a little lacking. Uh, Andrade is good all around, man. She's good pressure, good cardio, good striking, good grappling, good wrestling, good ground and pound. The chick is just relentless, and I think that's going to be a problem for Carolina Kovacavich, man. If Jessica Andrade chooses to take this fight right to the ground, you know, just put her against the cage, take her down, beat her up, and t tap her out, I see Andrade finishing. I see Andrade, uh, you know, either Ground, pounding her out or most likely getting a submission you know we saw we saw um Kovacavich get taken down and submitted by Claudia Gadelia relatively uh, uh you know early in that fight three minutes into that fight so I think that uh if Andrade wants to finish her then she'll she'll try to replicate that but uh Andrade is you know although she's so aggressive and such a killer and so powerful you know good good grappler and everything like I said she's not much of a finisher uh, you know, most of her wins coming by way of decision, and uh, you know, so if Andrade is content to stand in this one and stand and trade and brawl like she usually is, then I think that Kovalkiewicz could could do better than we think. I think Kovalkiewicz could sneak around out. You know, maybe in the second or third round, uh, Carolina could win that one, and uh, maybe maybe the three point five would be a decent bet. But man, I don't think I don't think I would touch it at this point because I think Andrade has just such a high risk of finishing. Um, you know, I think Andrade's line at minus three and a half points would actually be pretty, pretty safe bet to uh, to go myself. Um, because uh, man, the only instance I can see Kovacavich winning a round or winning this fight at all, or is if Andrade is uncharacter uncharacteristically letting this fight stand longer than she wants to. You know, trying to prove something, trying to brawl, which you know Andrade has been you know sort of known to do. I believe she did that against Angela Hill. She was content to trade and brawl in that one, coming out victorious. But man, I think that Kovacavich can put uh, Andrade in a little bit of a, a world of hurt if this one stays standing. So. Pick's gonna be Andrade, and I think that she, uh, like I said, uh, it's decision is likely. But if she chooses to really go after a, gra a grapple-heavy game plan, I see her getting a finish. Next fight we have Zabit Magomed Sharapov, who is fifteen and one, taking on Brandon Davis, who is nine and five. Brandon Davis coming into this fight on extremely short notice. I want to say like two two weeks short notice. Zabit Magomed Sharapov opened up at minus one thousand fifty. 10 to 1 favorite come right off the bat brandon davis is minus 600 and motherfuckers are still betting on zabit he is currently minus 1400 brandon davis all the way up to plus 925 it sounds crazy but it's pretty deserving man zabit is the real deal he is one of the best up-and-coming prospects possible future champion at featherweight right now man the dude is just insane we've seen him he's got incredible striking incredible kicks great head movement great boxing great takedowns uh you know judo takedowns trips he's got you know everything he's got submissions anacondas guillotine man the dude's incredible he's one of the most well-rounded guys in the sport one of the most exciting guys in the sport right now i mean dude's only got three fights in the ufc is three now he tapped out mike santiago he tapped out shaman morris and he defeated kyle botchnack in a crazy decision um Man, he he just looked incredible. He looks he look. Uh, I mean, I I predicted this fight would open up at minus one thousand because Brandon Davis is he's a fucking bum, man. He's uh, nine and five overall. He's one and two in the UFC. Lost a fight to Kyle Bochnak by decision. 
beat Steven Peterson by decision and lost to Enrique Barzola by decision. Got taken down by Barzola at will. Didn't really look like he wanted to be there. Couldn't defend takedowns. Couldn't get back up. Looked decent against Steven Peterson striking, but uh, man, I think that uh, Brandon Davis is in for a rough night in this one. I think Zabi will uh, will get this one done probably by submission. Um, next fight we have for the women's flyweight championship champion Nico Montano, who is four and two, is taking on Valentina Shevchenko, who is minus or who is uh, five and three. Excuse me. Um, so coming into this fight, we have Nico Nico Montano opened up at plus four fifty, and we had Valentina Shevchenko open up at minus six hundred. The challenger opened up as a six to one favorite over the champion. Strange times, ladies and gentlemen. Nico Montano is currently plus eight hundred, and uh, Valentina Shevchenko all the way down to minus twelve fifty. Just a massive, massive amount of juice coming in Shevchenko's way. Just massive um you know making her from a six six to one favorite to 12 to one favorite man it's pretty deserving man shevchenko is the real deal she's an incredible muay thai fighter she's well-rounded she's great ground and pound great wrestler she just tapped out juliana pena she um you know had a tough close decision with amanda nunez which she came out just a little bit short on and then she beat the living shit out of priscilla carachuera in brazil she's a uh, four and two in the ufc shevchenko but man you just can't say enough good things about this girl she's you know great personality she's a uh, great great fighter you know just overall skills she's a black belt in judo black belt in jiu-jitsu you know world world muay thai champion just incredible and uh you know it's she deserves to be a champion she's deserved to be a champion for a long time now i thought the amanda nunez fight could have really gone her way but uh this is going to be her time to get a champion and uh there's almost no doubt in my mind that uh valentina shevchenko is going to get this one done don't don't see nico montano last into the scorecards man montano is good she's she's beaten decent competition she beat lauren murphy montano de la rosa and barb honchak all on the ultimate fighter and then she ended up beating roxanne matafari by decision too so all those wins look pretty decent you know but man just none of the none of those girls are even close to valentina's level I think if you put all five of those girls in the octagon at once against Valentina, Valentina would still probably be the favorite. So, um, you know, it, it's time for the Bullet to be champion. I'm really excited. I've been a fan of this girl for a long time. She's just an amazing fighter and really looking forward to her getting her belt on Saturday night. And in the main event for the Welterweight World Championship, we have Tywin Woodley, the champion, the chosen one, who is 18-3-1, taking on Darren the Gorilla. I don't even know if that's his official nickname, but he's a fucking gorilla. Darren Till, who is 17-0-1. Tywin Woodley opened up in this fight at minus 149 to Darren Till at plus 120. The lines have totally flipped. Tyron, Darren Till is now minus 140. Tyron Woodley is plus 120. This this fight is slow. The, the the lines have slowly, slowly, slowly been chipping away at this one. Uh, Woodley's been creeping up to an underdog, creeping up. Darren Till's been creeping down to a favorite. And then last night, someone must have dropped the fucking nuke, $10,000, $50,000 on Darren Till, something like that. You know, the UK hype money is coming in. Darren Till is now all the way down to minus 140. Just huge, huge live movement in a 24-hour period. So uh, going over these gentlemen's most recent fights, we had uh, Tyron Woodley knock out uh, t uh, Robbie Lawler to claim the championship. He had a draw, an incredible fight with Stephen Thompson. Defeated Stephen Thompson again in the rematch and defeated Damian Maya by decision in his most recent fight. He is 7-2 and two in the UFC. Darren Till d uh, winning his most recent fights. Um, Bojan Volokovic by decision. Donald Cerrone by TKO. And uh, Stephen Thompson by decision. He is 5-0-1 oh, in the UFC. Man, what a great fight. What a great matchup. You know, this one, is we could, we could talk about this one forever. Uh, I think we have two guys who are both in their prime now. They're both, you know, uh, you know, one's, uh, Tywin Woodley is extremely, extremely well-rounded. He can he can knock you out on the feet like he did to, to the brawler Lawler, like he did to, uh, you know, Jock, J Jake Koshtek, like he did to a lot of guys, Jay Heron. And uh, he can also, you know, take you down. He can control you on the ground. He can keep you at distance and make it a boring fight he can stuff your takedowns he can take you down you know he uh the only area i would say he's not 100 percent lead in is brazilian jiu-jitsu but man his wrestling is so good he doesn't really use jiu-jitsu too much he when he takes people down he usually just goes for his, um 
you know, position or some ground and pound. So this one's close. I, I'm leaning, I'm leaning Tyron Woodley in this one, but it is very, very slim margin. I would say Tyron Woodley uh, is probably around. Uh, he wins this fight. I want to say fifty-five percent of the time, which is what minus one twenty. Um, yeah, minus minus one twenty, minus one thirty, somewhere around there. Uh, and uh, so right where the line opened up at, I think it was a little bit high for Woodley. Well, like I said, one twenty-five. It would probably be right in the sweet spot where I think Woodley is. Darren Till, you know, he's he's a he's a vicious puncher. He's he's got. Great power in his left hand. He's got great distance control. Good Muay Thai. He's a world Muay Thai champion. But uh, man, I just think that he's in uh, that that he's in a struggle with the well-roundedness of Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley has fought specialist after specialist after specialist. He fought a brawler. He fought the striker. He fought a grappler, and he he beat them all. He beat he knocked out Lawler. He outpointed uh, Stephen Thompson. And then he outpointed Damian Maya by stuffing all of his takedowns and just breaking Maya, you know. So, um, you know, he's not the most exciting fighter. He's very strategic. He's kind of, uh, you know, uh, annoying outside the octagon. I think he complains a lot and he, he talks a lot, a lot. He just complains a lot, you know. That, that's his thing. That's his thing. Cry one Woodley. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cheering for him in this one. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I like Darren Till a lot. I think he's got a lot of hype behind him. He's got a lot of confidence in himself. But I don't like the fact that he missed weight before this fight. I don't like the fact that he slimly, slimly won his last fight, you know, in his hometown while a lot of people didn't agree with the scorecards he's being gifted this title shot on a total like i said gifted doesn't really deserve it you know the you know uh obviously we had a little bit of bad taste in our mouth earlier with the colby covington situation you know tywin really should be fighting colby covington when uh, colby is is healthy in the coming months but it doesn't seem that that fight was on the ufc's radar it seemed like the ufc wanted to capitalize off of till's popularity and off of his momentum uh, and you know, try try to get this try to get this guy into a title shot, which is exactly what they did. And um, you know, it's not it's not it's not the the, uh, the biggest atrocity we've seen in the UFC, but uh, it, it it stinks. Um, honestly, uh, I think it'll still be a good fight. You know, I think they, but uh, they let's not forget about the disservice that they did to uh, to uh, homeboy. Colby Covington while they were booking this fight. So I think it's going to be a great fight. Uh, you know, I, I hope uh, people are, are, are using this narrative that Tommy Willie doesn't have good cardio. He doesn't really like to wrestle uh, too much because he knows his, his, uh, his cardio won't really hold up. But I, I don't know. I think this is this is some sort of narrative that's going around amongst Till betters. I don't know if there's any truth behind this, you know, you know, we haven't seen Woodley go for like a super heavy uh, wrestling game plan in the future or in the past, but it's not totally out of his out of his realm. So I think that Woodley's going to get this one done. It's going to be a close fight. I think uh, you know uh, Woodley will maybe win. 48-47, you know, 49-46, squeak out a close decision, like like a lot of his fights have been. Uh, you know, so. Um, Think, think Woodley gets this one done. Uh, I'm already on his money line a little bit, but I uh, might even go a little bit more if we uh, if we win this one more. I forgot to mention I am on Valentina Shevchenko inside the distance, um, you know, for a decent amount at minus minus 110 in that one. I thought that that was really, really good odds. I think it's really, really likely that she finishes this one. So... Uh, so that's why I ended up going on uh, on her inside the distance. Um, so that's going to cover the UFC 228 portion of this car. We're just going to go over a couple quick stories real quick from the UFC this week and in the world of MMA before we wrap this episode up. Not much in the news these past couple weeks. So I'm kind of struggling to find stories. Um, Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega was announced for UFC 231 in, in Toronto. That's going to be a very interesting, you know, a couple of uh, fights being rumored, like BJ Penn versus Ryan Hall. That's just very interesting, interesting matchmaking, but um, just really, really sad to see BJ Penn still fighting. He asked for a fight that they could, that the U. He asked the UFC to give him a fight that he could win because he knows how helpless he is at this point. So they gave him, you know, a jujitsu. Uh, a, a jiu-jitsu fighter who d doesn't really rely on striking or anything so that's actually a good fight for Penn but it'll probably be very very boring uh, we had 
Dan Hooker versus Edson Barbosa get announced for UFC Milwaukee. That's a great fight. There's been rumors of uh, Kevin Lee fighting Ally Quinta at that same card. That'll be very good. Uh, Sage Northcutt saying that he's a free agent and he is, you know, looking amongst other places, um, you know, to, for, to possibly uh, sign, you know, saying that some people are in Bellator are making a lot more money, which is kind of, uh, you know, interesting to see because, you know, he he doesn't really deserve to be making the amount of money that he does in the UFC right now, and he's still not really content with it. So, you know, good business practices by him in any means, but I really, really see him signing, re-signing with the UFC. Uh, don't see him going over to Bellator or anything like that. And, um... Like I said, light light week in the news. Not much going on. We had Chelsea and John Jones talking a bunch of shit back and forth against amongst one another on Twitter. Not really anything of, of note. Uh, Daniel Cormier will be on the Joe Rogan podcast this week. Really looking forward to that. So uh, that'll be very good. And uh, you know, looking forward to the pay per view this weekend. Had some great fights uh, in uh, in Lincoln, and hope to keep the ball rolling in Dallas. And um, I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the podcast. That is going to be all for this episode of episode 31. Um, We will catch you guys next week before UFC Russia going down September 15th, 2018. And ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast, I thank you for tuning into this episode, episode 31. And I will see you guys next week before UFC Russia. Peace.